The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. I can tell you from experience, the effect you have on others is the most valuable currency there is. Don't think, feel. It is like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you will miss all that heavenly glory. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Nicholas Gregoratti Show. I am your host, Nicholas Gregoratti, and I am speaking to you from my studio in Los Angeles, California. Have a great episode for you today. Our guest spoke about a subject that I really appreciate, which is prayer. Now, I used to pray a lot when I was a kid, and I stopped for a long time when I, I kind of lost my faith in uh, anything except I guess what we can see and touch and feel and experience with our senses. I became a, an atheist in the strictest, most scientific reductionist sense of the word. And I turned my back on things like prayer for a long time. And when I reconnected to the source through some pretty intense experiences, I started to revisit things like prayer. And today's guest has some tips on how to to use it effectively. Before we get into that discussion, I want to remind you that my two sponsors have amazing products that I use myself and that you will, I'm sure, get great benefit from. The first one is Bub's Naturals. If you care about your health as much as I do, and I really do care about my health, you know, it's, I think it is the greatest wealth. The rich man cannot buy health for all the money in the world. And whereas the poor man can create wealth or find wealth, health is such an important thing. I heard it said the other day, a healthy man has many wishes, but a sick man has just one. And that was profound to me. It's, it's true. Like health is the most important thing. One of the products that I use is Bub's Naturals Collagen. I use that to stay healthy. And just the other day, a friend of mine who I'd given some samples of the Bub's natural stuff that I had received from the company several months ago. Uh, I hadn't seen her for a while. And she said to me, oh, that, that Bub's Naturals collagen that you gave me, it really works. My joints have been feeling much better and I don't feel as achy when I get out of bed. And keep in mind that this is a person who is very connected to their body. They're a, a body worker. And so I don't think you could consider it a placebo effect with someone like that. They really do understand and notice differences in their body. So if you want to try their collagen or any of their other amazing products, head on over to Bubs Naturals. That's B-U-B-S naturals.com. And if you use the coupon, which I forgot to tell you guys about last week, the coupon NickG20, which is N-I-C-G-2-0, at checkout, you'll get 20% off any of their products that aren't already discounted. The second sponsor of my show, Rocco, my brother Rocco, he is really growing his brand at the moment, doing incredible stuff. He's got a very cool thing coming up on the 17th of May, which is, he's calling the Quorum Elithia. So what this is, is it's a dual presentation by him and a woman named Sarah Alcady, who is extraordinarily intelligent. Uh, I would say as intelligent as Rocco. And Rocco is without question, the most intelligent man I know. 
So they're getting together and doing this presentation. The best way it can be described is if, if someone wants to get a really intelligent take on the present moment, what's happening in our world at the moment. And the thing that so many spiritual teachers are trying to explain through the lens of, or the lenses of outdated mysticism and narrow reductionist science without the spiritual junk food or pseudoscience, then this is the event for you. It's one of the smartest people I know with Sarah Alcady, who's also incredibly intelligent and they're getting together to bring their own unique viewpoints and discuss, discuss what's happening to us as a species uh, in this amazing talk that they're going to be given. Now it's going to be an interactive event. It's limited to 42 places and they're going to be doing a moderated Q and A session after the talk as well. I'm just so excited about this. It's going to be really cool. I've watched a few of Sarah's of Sarah's videos on YouTube and she's definitely connected to the source as well. So I highly recommend you go and check that out. If you want to know more, you can find out everything about it at eyeswideopenlife.org. That's Rocco's site. You can also see about the other services he offers. And if you're going to uh, join in this event, use the coupon code COACHNICKG. And that's obviously Nick with no K. So Coach N-I-C-G. And you'll get a discount on that event as well. Highly recommend you guys check that out. Okay, let's jump into the episode with Rich Lewis. Enjoy. I am so happy to be here with Mr. Rich Lewis, who is the author of Sitting with God, A Journey to Your True Self Through Centering Prayer. Now, if you guys are like me, the minute you heard that title, you're intrigued because that is what I'm all about. I want to get to my true self and I want to center myself, not necessarily always through prayer, but if prayer is a way to do it, sign me up. So Rich, I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So uh, maybe let's start with getting a little bit of background about you before we get into centering prayer and, and how you developed it. Tell me a little bit about your story. Sure. I started practicing centering prayer in 20, late 2013, but at that time I was a, a member of the United Church of Christ. Right now I'm, I'm in between churches. So that's a, a non, uh, just for folks understanding, the United Church of Christ is in kind of a Protestant, non denominational church. So I spent a good 20 years at that church. When I graduated from University of Pittsburgh, my parents um, were going there and I joined them and went along and then liked it like the pastor. So I spent about 20 years in the United Church of Christ. So that was really in my you know early 20s through early 40s. Prior to that, I didn't really have a church background. We, did, we didn't go to church. My mother passed away when I was three and a half and if she was still alive, we, I probably would have been Catholic. She was a pretty disciplined Catholic, I guess. They liked Catholicism and, and liked going to church. But she passed away, unfortunately, and we didn't. My father, I just did, wasn't this same disciplined Catholic, so we didn't continue. So I guess my background really um, in, into spirituality and in, into God uh, more so began uh, I guess you could say in high school, because I did go to a youth group. Some of my friends went to a Baptist-based youth group that held meetings Thursday nights. So I joined them and went went along and had fun. And then I, and then I guess after college, the United Church of Christ. So that's a little bit about my background. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I guess, I mean, that's pretty late in life to, to start becoming devoutly religious in your, in your 20s. 
And it's it's been my experience, or it was my personal experience, and it's also been something I've identified in those who've done the same, that usually when someone turns to religion at that point in life, it's usually precipitated by an event or some sort of deficiency that they feel or longing that they feel. What was it for you that brought you to church at that, that age? Some of it was really just my parents. They, they, they enjoyed it. So I was kind of intrigued and I decided to go along. And then to my surprise, I, I, I liked the pastor. It was a woman pastor who she's not there now, but she spent about 20 years at that church. She was, she was good. She just had a, a really great way of preaching, making it friendly, making it accessible, helping us to, to understand what she was saying. And, and she, she was fun because she, she preached without notes. She, she kind of remembered it. She, she remembered her whole sermon. So she would get up there and just talk and go for 15 or 20 minutes with, with no notes. So that was kind of <laughs> cool within, within itself. But she just had a really good style of making it accessible and, and maybe dumbing it down and, and bringing us into the story. And so I'm going to push you a little bit on this one. I was kind of looking for a bit more than that. Like to me, like just hearing that, oh, it's because I like the preacher. That's, I'm wanting to know what was it within you that, that drew you towards needing this particular thing in your life? You're right. I had always believed in God, um, even up until, you know, that point. But I, I, I felt like there was a, a lack of depth. There was, I was just knowing God on the surface. And, and for me at that time, God was maybe a, someone up in the sky looking down at me. And I wasn't sure, uh, was, was this God happy with me? Was this God critical of me? Was this God judging me? So I, w- I was looking to better understand God and, and get below the surface and, and add more depth to my spirituality and, and relationship with God. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes total sense. I guess before we even go any further, it's my understanding that a lot of my audience, I'm sure some of them are religious, but I'm also sure a large portion of them are, are more spiritual than religious and or more agnostic than committed to any one particular religious path. Before we dive into centering prayer, is, is it something that can be used by people who aren't religious? Yes. So really centering prayer, and we'll obviously talk about it and how, you know, what it is and when it was created, but anyone can practice centering prayer. That's what I like about it. You, you come as you are where you are with, with whatever, whatever you believe, whether you want to think you're sitting with God or, or sitting with infinite wisdom or the universe, or, or not even sure what you're sitting with. Anybody can practice centering prayer. Yes. Well, that's good to know. Um, well, let's dive right into that part then centering prayer. How did, how did you find it? What is it? Tell us more about it. Sure. Sure. I discovered it in um, late 2013, but prior to that, I had read books by a gentleman by the name of Carl McCullman, and in his books, he talked a lot about silence and how powerful and transforming it was, but I don't remember him mentioning a practice. So at that time, I would just sit in silence for one, two, three, four minutes, didn't know really what I was doing, but would try it anyhow. But then in late 2013, I was just perusing Amazon looking for a book to read. And I stumbled across a book by Amos Smith called Healing the Divide, Recovering Christianity's Mystic Roots. 
And in his book, he talked about centering prayer as a silent prayer practice that he had been practicing for about 15 years up until that point. So that immediately intrigued me. So I began um, you know, read, obviously continuing to read his book and, and understanding what centering prayer was, reading other books on centering prayer. And I reached out to him and just began a back and forth email dialogue um, just to ask him more questions about a centering prayer. So that's that's how I found centering prayer. And so specifically what differentiates centering prayer from regular prayer and I guess meditation as well, because it sounds like it might be quite similar to meditate, certain meditative practices. Sure. So it, it is meditation. It's considered meditation and a relationship with God. So Centering Prayer itself was created in the early 1970s, um, really by three Trappist monks, so three, three Catholic priests. Um, they saw that transcendental meditation was going on and they wanted something for the Christian community. So they created Centering Prayer. And Centering Prayer, as I said, is, is meditation but we also centering prayer practitioners um, consider it a relationship with God because during centering prayer, you open to the presence and actions of God within during your sit, or that's what we believe we're doing. And how you do centering prayer is you sit comfortably, close your eyes, and then to start your silent sit. So it's wordless prayer. You're not verbally praying. You're silently sitting. To begin your silent sit, you introduce a word interiorly of one, two, or three syllables, and that word could be whatever you want it to be. It could be a color, it could be ocean, it could be God, it could be Jesus. And that signifies you're beginning your silent sit and you're opening to the presence and actions of God within. And then whenever you begin engaging your thoughts, you reintroduce that sacred word to bring you back to the present and let go of your engaged thoughts. And an engaged thought could be, you know, anything as simple as you're thinking about things you were doing before you sat down to sit, or you're thinking about what I'm like, what you're going to do after you get up from your sit. When you're doing that, you realize you're, you're no longer sitting with yourself, sitting with life, sitting with God. You're really just sitting with your thoughts. So reintroduce that sacred word when needed, just to keep bringing yourself back to the present moment. And you do that whenever needed, during the duration of your sit, whether you've chosen to sit five minutes or 10 minutes or, or 20 minutes, but that's essentially how you do the practice. And then the last thing I'll say about it is you know, I mentioned you, you introduce a word. I started with a word, but I quickly moved to a image because I realized rather than being an auditory person, I was more of a visual person. So I switched to an interior image. You can use your breath. Some people like to use their breath if they're more physical people. And then lastly, some people close their, uh, keep, open their eyes, actually, and just stare at a spot and, and use that to keep themselves in the present moment. But that's essentially what it is, how you do it. And it's been around since the early 1970s. So, uh, Rich, I'm going to push you again a little bit. <laughs> that sounds to me almost exactly the same as a couple of different forms of meditation that I've worked with over the years. And the first place my mind goes, and I'm in no way trying to put you on the spot or judge you or call you out because I have great reverence for, for all religion, even though I'm not, or for most religion, even though I'm not religious. But it sounds to me that these church guy, uh, church members, the, the gentleman you mentioned earlier, they were seeing the uh, surge in popularity of these Eastern protocols for developing 
a connection with your yourself or your your true self or your spirit and they basically just said uh we better get on this train right and you know it's not the first time christianity has been accused of doing that i mean many people claim that catholicism itself was um just a form of sun worship that when they saw the popularity of early christianity just you know kind of shifted over and changed their their system so i guess that's my that's the, the part i'm trying to get through like how is this different from let's say transcendental meditation which itself has a, a mantra or just no mind motion meditation where you're just trying to clear the mind and and um every time a thought comes in you're just trying to let it pass through and not focus on it well, what's the essential difference with this sure it really as i said it is meditation but it's also a relationship with god so i i believe and many people that practice centering prayer believe they are meditating but then really what they're doing is they're letting go of themselves and opening up to god um, the presence and actions of god within so we think of it as or, or i think of it as a, as a reverse prayer I'm, I'm getting out of the way and i'm opening up to god who is deeper than my thoughts and emotions and is within me and and i'm letting i'm sitting with god and i think of it as a reverse prayer god is praying in me um what i need and, and that could be many things whether it's just a sense of inner calm or peace or wisdom for tasks or or, or confidence or more excitement for life so the, the difference is is it's more more than just meditation it's it's really a relationship with god if you think about if you have a significant other or a special friend, sometimes you don't always need to talk. You just like to be with each other. So it's really just sitting with God beyond words because you love God and you want to have a relationship with God and you want God to act in you at a, at a much deeper level than, than you're normally accustomed to. Okay. That that's starting to give me a clearer picture. So it's my understanding that with some forms of meditation, what you're trying to do is create a void. And it sounds to me like with centering prayer, you're, you're trying to receive more than just create a void. Would that be accurate? Yes. So you're, you're I mean, in, in essence, you're creating a void because you're getting rid of thoughts and emotions, and, and you, which are obstacles to God. And, and you're is trying to sit in the pure presence of God, whatever that can mean. And that's a paradox. But so but but exactly that you're you're clearing the clutter, getting yourself out of the way so that you can be with God as much as possible rather than you and, and your thoughts and your planning and your, and your plotting, at least during this set. Okay. That makes sense. So uh, one of the things that you discovered during your, your practice of cent centering prayer is your true self. And that, that to me is, as I said in the, the introduction, something I'm really big on is, is finding your authentic self and, and, manifesting it and embodying it and living it what what does that mean to you your true self sure from for me it means who is the person god wants me to be and and that's for me at least the practice has been very helpful because i, I get during centering prayer you're letting go of thoughts and emotions and that that's really any thought and any emotion and it could be you know i'm not good enough to try something or i don't have this skill set or, or i'm too young to try that or i'm too old to try that you're letting go of all of those types of thoughts and connecting to your true self 
And your true self is, is telling you that's something you should try and you're not too young and, and you do have the right skill set and you do have the confidence or, you know, the next step and that's enough. And, and the path will become more clear as you, as you keep moving forward. So for me, it's, it's outside of the practices, you, you notice some of the fruits and, and many of the fruits I've noticed, at least for me, are it's pushed me out of my comfort zone to try and do new things uh, that historically would have scared the heck out of me. And it, and it's kind of given me confidence to, to try and just know that I just need to know the next step. And, and, and I kind of throughout the day at times might receive wisdom or an email or someone will contact me out of the blue. And, and that's showing me the next step that I need to take. So that's what it's done for me. It's, it's, it's gotten my idea of who I'm not out of the way and let who I am and, and what I want to do and what I probably can accomplish come to the forefront. Yeah, I mean, those all sound like great things. Let's dive a little bit deeper and, and ask you maybe a slightly more personal question. Who is the person that God wants you to be at this point? Well, what is your answer to that based on, on this work you've been doing? I would say it is to share centering prayer with whoever's receptive to it. And I don't like to push it on people. I just like to share how the fruits of it and how it has helped me in case it, it can help others. So right now, my true self is sharing my book um, with people and letting them read it and, and having me respond to their emails or if they contact me on Facebook. It's speaking on podcasts like this and sharing it. It's I do a lot of guest speaking in small and large groups right now via Zoom. So it's, it's talking to those people and helping them understand what it is and, and, and how it may help them. So I guess right now it's really just sharing that centering prayer has really healed me and transformed me and helped me continuously live into my true self and to sharing my story in case it can help and benefit others. So those are what you've just described um predominantly actions. And I guess I was, I was looking for characteristics of the person that, that God wants you to be. Do you have any, does anything come up for you when I, when I phrase it that way? Well, I think God wants me to be more present with, with life, more present with people and listening to them more present with, with my family really more. And then that kind of leads to, then I can become more compassionate with people, really listen to people, really help people, really serve them. So, so I, I think along with it, um, God wants me to be present every day and then look for the opportunity to, to help people and, and serve people. Because when I slow down, let go, and, and I'm present, I can see where there might be a need and, and I might be able to help somebody. So God's also really pushing me to be present and help and serve people. No, that's, that's cool. It's uh, I have an expression that my listeners are probably getting bored of hearing by now, but I, I always say wherever there is overlap, there is truth. And funny enough, I just said this with my, I said this to my previous guest because he also uh, described something that's been my own experience as of late, um, which is being present can pretty much solve any problem, right? It's, it's, or, or if it doesn't solve the problem, at least it makes the problem easier to deal with. And so I, I really believe there's truth in what you've just said, because it's, it's also been my experience that it's the answer to many of the challenges of life is just to slow down, become more present. And then you are, are usually shown or given a clearer direction as to what you have to do. 
Agree. I mean, you're right. When you slow down, I mean, a lot of things happen. One, you, you get rid of all the things that you tell yourself you can't resolve it. And then sometimes the answer, you see it in front of you or, or you see it in a person you can reach out to that may have the solution for you. So you're right. As soon as you slow down and let go of anxiety and worry and, and thoughts we feed ourselves that really aren't true, the answer or the path to the answer starts becoming more clear. Now, uh, I'm sure some of the listeners are going to pick up your book because they're going to want to know more. But for those who are too busy to read a whole book or not inclined to read, can you give us the Cliff's Notes on how to do uh, a centering prayer practice? Sure, sure. So just go through as if for the first time someone's doing it. Sure. Let's say uh, Joe Smith, once he's listening to this and he's decided, oh, this sounds interesting. He wants to give it a shot. Like, what should he do? Okay. Well, the first thing I would say, I guess most people will say they don't know how to, they don't know when they should do centering. So I guess earlier we talked about how you do the practice. So many people, I guess they don't know how to begin or when they should do it. So I suggest that make it the first thing you do to begin your day because it, it does require discipline. Like anything that's new, um, you have to discipline yourself to do it. And initially, maybe there's part of you that wants to do it, and there's a part of you that. <laughs> doesn't think you have time or has a hard time disciplining yourself to do it, even though you know you want to try it. So I would say, make it the first thing you do as you get up in the morning. And that, and I, I take two sits per day, but the first one is actually the first thing I do before I begin my day. So make it the first thing you do when you begin your day. Take baby steps. So if, if you don't have to jump into a 20-minute silent sit, you can take one to five minutes. So Make it the first thing you do when you get up in the morning, do it for one to five minutes, and then and then resume your day and, and try it for at least 30 days. And then if you find it's something that resonates with you, then begin extending the time and making it a little bit longer, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. And then at that point, if you've established that this is something that works for you, it resonates well, and, you, and you're doing it um, first thing in the morning, Add a second sit because um, the second sit usually kind of your, your fumes run dry and, and you need to reset and reconnect yourself. I do a second sit before lunch. So add a second sit and take baby steps with that sit if needed, where you're just doing a couple minutes and slowly working yourself up so that perhaps in three to six months, suddenly you have a practice that you're doing twice a day um, for 10 to 20 minutes each time. So just be kind and gentle with yourself. Take baby steps. And if you miss the sit, you know, don't beat yourself up. Don't feel guilty. Just show up um, for the next, uh, the next sit. That makes, that makes total sense. I, I really like the, the fact that you brought up the importance of discipline. And in, in most people, and we live in such a throwaway instant gratification culture that I think there's a large portion of of the population that would be exposed to something like centering prayer and they'd maybe try it once when they were bored, when they had five minutes in the middle of the day, uh, and then they probably wouldn't get much benefit and they'd think, oh, this doesn't work. But the truth is you need to, you need to make a, a deal with yourself that you're going to sit down for at least, you know, 28 days, I would say, and give this thing a real go the same time every morning of the first thing you do. And then, then just find that discipline to stick at it. And then, you'll see the results. Would you say that's accurate? I, I would. And then, and then, you know, I, I would, I would also say, um, 
and then you can even put some structure around it. So I have bookends to my practice. So there's things I do before and after my practice. So I make it a nice special time for me. So for me, my bookends are, you know, I, as I begin my practice, I, I'm a big believer in affirmations. So these are single sentence statements of things I want to do in my life, whether it's related to my mental, physical health, family, finances, work, future books I might want to write. I read them to God. And then I go into my centering prayer, sit and let them go and let them brew with God and I. And then after my sit, I usually just read for five or 10 minutes from a book that I'm currently reading. So I encourage people to make it, make it a neat time for you where you have something you might do before it, do your sit, and then something you do after your sit and just make it, you know, that type of special time. And then the last thing I'll say is, you know, many people will say, I don't have time to do this, or particularly the second sit. The idea of stopping whatever you're doing and doing a second sit can be daunting because people will think, I don't have the time, I'm too busy. And, and I challenge them to, to do this sit because it actually has a way of giving you back time is what I've noticed. I, I look back on the day after my second sit and, and realize that I was, I was productive and I had a, a great day. And it was because I, I stopped and reconnected to God, reconnected to life, because you're really taking the posture of let go out of your sit. You're not just letting go in your sit. You're learning to let go outside of your sit and let go of things that don't help and serve you and hone in and, and focus on the things that do. So it gives you back time. But the only way you'll know that is if you try it for yourself. Absolutely. I really love that idea of, of bookending it. And also, I, I just find that time excuse to be total bullshit. Some of my clients say that to me, and, I, and I, it's, it's just nonsense. We, we all have more than enough time. Uh, maybe back in the day when we were working on farms and like <laughs> you, you had to rise with the sun and get all the manual labor done and then prepare all the meals and then wash stuff. And like, yeah, maybe back then you were too exhausted and you didn't have time to do certain things. But Usually what I say to someone when they say they don't have the time, I ask them how many, how many hours of TV do they watch a day? Or, you know, like they, they usually have some kind of hobby that they, and it's usually a crappy hobby that doesn't really feed them in any way. And I, that they could reallocate time from that to something like centering prayer practice. Rich, I really appreciate your, your time. And um, it's clear by your demeanor, you've, you have found something that, that has centered you. And thank you so much for sharing it with us. If my listeners want to find out more about the book, where's the best place for them to go? Sure. The best place is silenceteaches.com is my website. They can get a, if they subscribe, they'll get a free ebook on Centering Prayer, which is pretty short. And then if they want to further explore information about my book is, is also on my website. So silenceteaches.com is the best place to find me and to learn more about Centering Prayer. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Rich. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. I think it's absolutely vital in the modern world for us to have some sort of centering practice or some sort of grounding practice every single day. Now, it doesn't have to be prayer. It doesn't even have to be meditation. It could be anything. You could take a walk. You could sit and write in your journal. You could, I don't know, do some yoga, whatever it is. But to just have a ritual where you do something that is nourishing and wholesome for your spirit, I think makes so much difference. It makes such an extraordinary difference to my life. And if you guys aren't doing that, you're really missing out. You know, it's a, it's an, it's a free way of improving your health, improving your happiness, and just improving the quality of your human experience. And if you're listening, I get the sense that you're the type of person who's 
that's what you're all about. So <laughs> take that opportunity, create a gardening practice, whether it's prayer, meditation, or something else, and make it a habit in your daily life. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. I will be back next week with another episode for you. Peace out. Peace out.